You're listening to The Tactical Kitchen. I'm Melody Barron, certified chef and nutritional therapy practitioner. And I'm Steve Barron's 21-year special operations veteran and certified personal trainer. Together, we are here to share our experience on the ketogenic lifestyle. Don't forget our disclaimer. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. We're not doctors, and we don't play them on the internet. Now, let's get ready to chew the fat. Mmm, bacon. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> oh my God. It's the tactical kitchen show. Oh, no. Now we've gone into fat Albert mode. <laughs> well, should we like to eat fat, so that's cool. Yeah, fat Albert. We like yeah. to eat fat. We don't like to eat fat Albert, but... <laughs> <laughs> so you guys know Steve tries to do a different intro like every week. So welcome to episode 24 of the Fat Albert Show. <laughs> I like it. It keeps it uh, interesting for me. It does. It, for me as well. For me too. I like this. <laughs> so it's a uh, it's a cloudy, rainy type Monday for us here? Yeah, but it was nice and cool this morning. It was like 65 degrees. So we've been uh, increasing our runs a bit. We've been getting into what we call, you know, would be like our base program trying to increase our endurance. So this morning we both ran right at 50 minutes for a long run. Yeah, it was nice. I think the weather acts like a drug, though, because the cooler it is with a little bit less humidity, it was just like, I felt like I could have gone like a half marathon today because of the weather. The weather makes a huge difference. Today it was about 70 degrees, you know, so... Little and humid, of course, but last Monday it was like 90 degrees. It's different running in 65 degree weather than 105 degree weather. <laughs> I will tell you that for sure. Um, I don't like the 105, but I'll do it. It's even worse when it's 105 and it's really humid. It was I like can't n- even do that. It was 90% humidity last week when we ran Monday and Wednesday, and it was just brutal. I have never sweated that much in my life. I don't think. I sweat like crazy now. It's just I, amazing. Well, you look like you jumped out of the pool. Yeah. You make concrete snow angels or sweat angels when you come back and lay on the when you're patio running back when there. you're running and your and your socks squish. You, you know you're sweating. You a know lot. you're sweating a Did lot. Did this just get really gross? <laughs> Ew, we were talking so about gross. eating fat Albert, and now we're talking about squishy, wet, sweaty socks. Hey, we haven't talked about poop. Okay, so yeah, uh, we could. We can definitely talk about poop. No, t- today I think what I want to talk about, when I want to hit hit on is. Is should you be listening to your doctor? You're going to get us in so much trouble. Well, you know, I get frustrated sometimes. <laughs> I do too. When all these people say, well, my doctor said, or my doctor told me to, or a doctor says don't need a low-carb diet, or a doctor says coconut oil is poison. Oh, my uh, God. People, you have to go back and look. Doctors, they're, they're great people. And I'm not going to say doctors are bad. I'm not going to say that. We know a lot of amazing doctors. We do. Our own doctor is amazing. And anybody that becomes a doctor, they went down a long, hard road, and they did a lot of education, and they put in a lot of hours, and I appreciate that because at, at some point in my life, I ne- I've needed doctors. They put in a lot of hours except for in the area of nutrition. We do want to say that. So when it comes to nutrition, they need to be out of the conversation because, this is my term, they do not educate, they regurgitate. 
And this is true. Now, we know a lot of doctors, obviously, who have self-educated when it comes to nutrition, but just... Uh, most of you guys know that they don't get a lot of training when it comes to nutrition, especially if you follow our friend, Dr. Ken Berry. He'll tell you about how much nutrition training they get. It's a small notebook, and it's this, the basic recommendation of eat lots of healthy whole grains, low fat, and exercise a lot. Yeah, eat eat less, work out more. Come on, it's not that hard, people. I know, and that's what they and that's what they're told. And again, they have to know a lot, so they can't know a lot about everything. And that's the problem: is a doctor, they're they're not perfect. They're not infallible. They're going to make mistakes. You know, to be a doctor, you have to know so many things just about the human body, and then to have to know how all the nutrition works too. It is a lot of information, and we put a lot of. I don't know. We put a lot of expectations on our doctors that they do need to know everything, and it's okay that they don't. Right. It's it's perfectly fine, but you have to know that when you go to your doctor and you start talking about nutrition, you could know more than he does. Absolutely. Because it goes back to what I always say. I have two eyeballs and I can read. There is no information on the planet that is excluded from me knowing. So if I go and I decide I'm going to research a topic, and I do it for a long time, and I read different books and journals and studies, I can become an expert in that field, but people will be like, well, you didn't go to college. Is the, is the, are the books in college different than the books that you can buy at the bookstore? <laughs> well, I will say I can learn anything as long as it's not in a different language. <laughs> so, yes. No, the books aren't any different. Everybody that can read can learn. That's, that's how college began. You know, you read books. You well, learn. You listen to lectures. I, I will say nutrition's pretty straightforward when you read it. You know, you can, you can determine what's going on. When it comes to quantum physics... Uh, I'm going to have a problem. Yeah, I probably won't do that. I can read that all I want. I'm not going to understand it. I'm not going to do that. I just need to go lift heavy weights instead of doing that. That's not <laughs> any fun to me. So, so doctors can make mistakes. And and for example, the, the third leading cause of death in the United States is medical error. Interesting that you bring that up because... And if you look that up, like when we started talking about that and I looked it up, there are certain websites, including the Centers for Disease Control, that leave that out of the list. They go from, and here's the order it goes. I'll give you just the first three. It's heart disease, cancer. Next is actually medical error. But a lot of things, a lot of websites will leave that off and they go straight to upper respiratory disease. So what's interesting is the... Uh, John Hopkins did a study on medical error, and they're trying to get the CDC to include a, a portion on death certificates where that can be like coded in, because mm-hmm. that's why it doesn't show up in a lot of places because they don't have a code for it. Right, and and I, and I don't think they want to put it on there because they want they don't want people to question the medical system. Oh no, because let's talk about how many people a year die. Right, it's, it's anywhere between about 250,000 to about 450,000, depending on what you look at. Yeah, because their actual data said 225,000 a year as of 2016, but, or it was 225 a year, 225,000, but they estimated it's more, like you said, upwards to 440,000 or more because of the way it gets reported. That's just what they could actually pinpoint, which is insane. Right. Now, we're not trying to throw you off and say, you know, our medical system is horrible. That's not true. We have 
one of the greatest medical systems on the planet. Okay, it's it's great. Okay, go to go to Senegal or Kenya or any other place and try to get medical treatment, and you're going to have problems. Right. Um, I was in Albania once, and we actually had to rescue a guy. Uh, we were on a trip, and a guy had been hit by a car. It was a military member, and um, his friends had taken him to the hospital, and we uh, we actually had to rush to the hospital and pull him out of the hospital and bring him back to the hotel because uh, the embassy said, if you leave him there, he will not leave with all his organs. Holy crap. So, <laughs> oh, my God. So so that's the Albania medical system <laughs> yeah. if you want to go there. Yeah. I love how people are like, oh, so down on the U.S. right now, and it's like, you should go someplace like that and see how you like it. Right. So we have a, a good medical system, but one of the things we want to want to put out and for our listeners is you have to take charge of your health. And nutrition is one of those uh, topics that you need to be informed. Right. We don't need to tell you that when you go pick up a prescription or whatever, that you should like definitely make sure it's the prescription that you were supposed to be given. Because mm-hmm. that's one thing with medical error is prescription confusion. Right. Or getting someone else's prescription or overdose or whatever. But that's that's simple. Fix, you know, read your stuff. When it comes to nutrition, you do have to, you need to do your own research. You do. You need to go out there. You need to, uh, you know, look and see what other people are doing. Read the research. Read a textbook. uh, Change up your food. Experiment on yourself and see what diet makes you feel better. That's the biggest thing is we're all bio-individuals. So what what I eat might not be appropriate for someone else because it might not help them. So you have to know yeah, that. exactly. So, you know, it's interesting because we, we talk about bio-individuality a lot, um, but we also know that there are certain things that are for a human diet that you just can't get around it. Your body's designed to eat it. It doesn't matter how bio-individual you are any other way. You need protein and you need fat. These are two things that you can't escape because you want this vegan lifestyle, you still are going to have to supplement or find a way to get these nutrients or you'll become sick. That's just the way it is. That's how we're designed. Mm-hmm. So when, when you know a doctor will put out to eat more vegetables, but he really won't know why. I mean, he'll just, because again, he's not educating, he's regurgitating. He's just regurgitating what the USDA, that's the United States Department of Agriculture, by the way, I'm not sure how they got into the, you know, uh, nutritional thing. (laughs) It makes it a lot easier to sell your product if you also become the expert on what people should eat. (laughs) Right, right, right. I produce all these fruits and vegetables, and I'm going to tell you that you have to eat a lot of fruit and vegetables. So that makes sense. It does. That's, Seems that's weird. How it, that's Seems how weird. it works out. But we know a lot of great doctors that, that do believe in uh, not just you know regurgitating what the USDA says, and they they've experimented on themselves. But one thing that I I found was funny because a lot of them are older doctors that they've mm-hmm. been doing this for a while, and the reason they found a different diet is because they themselves became unhealthy following their own advice. I think that's really interesting because that goes back to the bio-individuality thing where if you are getting sick, eating what's recommended, and you realize that, then to go back and do your own experiment to see how you feel. Because no one else can tell you that you don't feel good when you feel good. Right. And these doctors, we've had great conversations with them. And they'll, and we'll ask them, well, how, how come you didn't understand that your advice that we were giving your patients wasn't working. 
and they all say the exact same thing. They believe that their patients are all lying. Yeah. My patients aren't doing what I say. They're, They're not, not following listening. my advice. Yeah. So, and and that was uh, across the board, all of them that we talked to. When we found that, it was just very, uh, it was very funny because they just believe you're not listening to them. And they're, they're, you know, hey, I'm smart. I'm telling you what to do. And you're not listening to me because you're getting fat. Right. But then when it starts hitting home in their own body, that's when they start going, oh, maybe I need to dial this in. And they start dialing it in, in the manner in which they've been presenting it to their patients and then a month later, when they've gained weight rather than lost, they're like, holy crap, what is happening? My advice is crap. Right. It doesn't work. And, you know, you, you could also, and I don't want to always judge people on, on just their appearance, but if the doctor comes in and they're, they're obviously overweight or they're not healthy, then you really might want to question the uh, nutritional advice they're giving because we, we have our oh own really awesome experience with a doctor who gave us some nutritional advice. And again, I, I don't like to uh, make fun of people, but this one was... I don't think we are. I think we're just pointing out that someone comes in and you can physically tell with your eyeballs by looking at them and how they're presenting themselves <laughs> and how they move and breathe and things. That I, they're not healthy. I got to set the scene for this. So we had to take uh, our son to the ER. He had some breathing issues. And we, so we took him in just to be safe. And uh, we're in the room and they don't have doors. They just have a curtain pulled so people can't see you. So we're sitting there and uh, the curtain comes back and this the head comes around the corner. and But the head is not at like head height. It's at like at waist height. And... <laughs> This doctor like pulls it back real fast and he pokes his head in and and you see him and you're like, whoa, what, what's going on? And then he reaches in and grabs the counter and kind of like pulls himself in and he's scooting on a chair and he's hunched over like Quasimodo and he's sweating and breathing hard and he has a, uh, he has like a weight belt, like a yeah, back brace on. back brace. And he has a brace on, it, on one leg, like an ankle brace. And he comes in and he's overweight, he's breathing hard, he's sweating and you look at it and go... It took him about five minutes to get in the room. <laughs> he looked like Dr. Van Helsing from Cannonball Run. He was a proctologist. I swear that's exactly what he looked like when he came in. This was about a year ago. So I don't even know if he's... I don't even know if he's still practicing he, now. Because he might not still be there, but... He was having such a struggle just to get in the room. And then... Uh, he proceeded to get, start giving us advice on how to live a healthy lifestyle. He did, and and again, I don't want to be you no know, judge people on appearance, but if this is the guy that's telling me uh, a healthy lifestyle, how to eat, how much working out I should be doing, clearly his advice does not work. Well, as long as he's, I guess, I guess he was taking his own advice because I don't know. That was just like that's not the first time that's happened to us either. Mm-hmm. I I think that we went to several doctors who were in this sort of shape. Right. Um. Luckily for us, we found a doctor who actually lives, does try. To, I mean, he does live a low carb. Healthy lifestyle. Healthy lifestyle. He's in, he's in great shape, fit-looking guy, very nice. I would take nutrition advice from him. Mm-hmm. I'll put it that way. Well, we go we go back and forth with him on nutrition advice. We Yeah, we're we're not eye-to-eye, but we're not in other universes either. Mm-hmm. So and, and, and that kind of leads to when you when you have your doctor and you want to bring up what you want to do, because again, the doctor is your consultant. He's not he's not your boss. You, he advises you on what you're going to do or what you would like to do. How do you bring it, that up to your doctor about how you want to do things? 
Well, I think that when the way we've approached it with our doctor is that we go in and we tell him what we're doing. We tell him how we feel. We get our blood work done and we ask him questions to make him feel like, hey, we're in this together. Mm-hmm. What's funny is I feel like we're having to like bring him in the loop. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he's really cool about like being open. Now, if your doctor is completely closed off and won't listen to you and tells you you're going to die if you try that, it's time to find a new doctor. If your doctor's willing to work with you, I think you always want to approach them with respect because... That you're you are in their office, but you are paying them. That's you do remember that too. That they are a consultant, but it's just trying to position it to where you want to work with them. Ask, tell them what you would like to do, and will they be supportive of you mm-hmm. while you do that? If they say no, great, get a different doctor. If they say yes, keep them in the loop because you might be helping them to actually find a new way of helping somebody else. And a good idea is to bring in a study that you found that you that if you can find a decent can, one and that you've also read and that you somewhat understand. Don't just bring a, a study then you've read the headline and you go, you know, hey, check this out. Actually, read the study and be informed about it. So your doctor sometimes is willing to have the conversation, and even if he's not at that time because they're usually pressed for time, yeah, uh, leave the study with him. They might read it later. Oh yeah, or or take them a book. You know, that's also a good thing to do. Take them a book that maybe was helpful to you mm-hmm. and uh, ask them if they would be able to read it and maybe you could discuss it at your next appointment. That's always a good thing too. Just, you know, work with them. Because we know that like Dr. Eric Westman, um, Dr. Barry, all these different people, uh, Michael Ede, all these different people had their own personal health crisis, and then they had patients or other people who helped them by giving them maybe a little information yep. about what they were doing. Um, you know, some of the doctors did it on their own and then started working with their patients. But I know Westman, Dr. Westman, he had a patient who basically kind of showed him the way into the ketogenic diet, which I think is really cool. And he started looking into it more. And the last thing about helping your doctor out is to be the change you want to see. And that starts with, you know, if you're, if you're being healthy, you know, say you see your doctor once or twice a year, uh, you know, on a a normal basis. And then when you show up and you've lost 10 or 15 pounds Mm -hmm. and your, your blood pressure is more in line with what it's supposed to be. And then he asks what you're doing and you tell him, Hey, I've started lowering my carbohydrates. I'm eating, you know, more healthy fats and I'm feeling better, then it's really hard for him to argue about what you're doing is not working. Right. If you're getting healthier, it's... Now, we have to say that sometimes they'll look at your blood work and all of a sudden you have all these great biomarkers that say you're doing really well, but they'll see that one thing, that one (laughs) glaring thing, that cholesterol number, and they'll freak out a little bit. We even had this happen with our... Dear doctor. With our great doctor, he didn't like my cholesterol or Melody's cholesterol levels. No, they don't like your cholesterol levels sometimes. But, you know, you can also point them in places like cholesterol code or or just a YouTube video, just something like that to let them see, okay, this isn't the danger that you were taught that it was in medical school. Because one thing that I found is that if your doctor is only concerned about your cholesterol then it might be time to have either a conversation about it or start looking for a new doctor. 
Because they're behind. <laughs> they're behind, and they don't don't have the current research. And and we see that. We saw that on. <laughs> not all doctors know what they're talking about. We saw an, an episode of the doctors on on television, uh-huh. and uh, they were of course addressing the the low carb or ketogenic diet. And and most oftentimes they don't even know the difference. No, they said you know Atkins same thing. Right. So they're they're already showing that they're not very knowledgeable about the subject, and then. The one doctor that was saying how they did it while they were in uh, med school because, you know, they were getting fat because they weren't working out as much. Like, that's the only resolution to losing weight is working out. That's it. Again, that's a calories in, calories out conversation. And uh, and she was talking about how she peed on the sticks every day and they were turning purple. And, and the one doctor said, oh, my God, you were in ketoacidosis every single day? And they all agreed. All and three of them were like, yes. Nobody stopped and said no. Ketoacidosis. Yes. Every day. You're in ketoacidosis every day. If you're a doctor, when you say you're on a keto diet, sorry, that beep is our dishwasher. (laughs) So if you're in, if your doctor thinks that you're in keto, in ketoacidosis because you're on a ketogenic diet or you've lowered your carbs and they tell you how dangerous ketoacidosis is, it's a good sign that you probably should not be paying attention to what they tell you about a ketogenic diet. Yes, absolutely. Because ketoacidosis is nothing to do with a keto diet if you are making any kind of insulin at all. Right. So you guys know that. Y'all are savvy listeners. Um, so that kind of leads us to one of the big studies that, or one of the big things that I keep getting tagged in is that cardiologist who said you should never do a keto diet because it's dangerous. Who who also is a vegan, by the way. Yeah, he's a big fat... I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> he's not a big fat vegan. He is a big vegan. He's a, he's a vegan man. He's a big vegan promoter. Which, again, we've talked about this before. If you, if you are on a horrible diet and you transfer over to a vegan diet, you're going to see some improvement because you're eliminating sugar and flour and possibly a lot of processed foods. So there's going to be some good things that happen in your body when you get rid of all that junk. However, there are some extreme deficiencies with vegetarian and vegan diets. I know. And, you know, we watched this documentary the other night called The Perfect Human Diet, which is kind of older. It's like from 2012. And we had not seen it. And so we we decided we'd watch it so we would have a grasp on what they were talking about. And, you know, if you're going to say that some shows are vegan propaganda, I would say this is more of a paleo kind of carnivore propaganda, if you want to say that. But it was actually really good. They did go and show that... Um, the way they found out what Neanderthals ate, how they burned the bone, how they got the did data they, did, from the bone. Right, to the carbon testing on the yeah, bones. Yeah, it was really cool. And that they were meat eaters. And they asked the researcher about had they were there any people during that era that would have been vegan? And he was like, no, 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 not at all. <laughs> And it's not because that guy was a carnivore or a low-carb guy or whatever. He was a researcher. He was an anthropologist. Right. He was just a scientist. Yeah. And that's what's crazy. The anthropologists know. They know that people needed meat. And, you know, 
we watched that. I thought it was really interesting. So if you're looking at that, and then you've got this cardiologist who's saying you should never eat a keto diet, and you should not eat meat and all these things because it's detrimental to your health. It's going to lower your life expectancy. I'm like, at what point did you like disconnect yourself from anthropological studies and you know what basic human nutrition should be for a human being and and another example in that show was uh one of the guys did an example an illustration of of our diet on a football field and he yeah that was lauren cordain yeah lauren cordain so he kind of walked down the field and he kind of went down human history all the way down the field and uh along the way he talked about foods we had eaten and they were accrediting that our increase in uh in protein uh, helped our brain develop, help us become right. who we are. And so he, he stepped on down the field, and I think the whole field was, represented 2 million years. I think mm-hmm. that's what it was. Mm-hmm. So, And when he got to the point where carbohydrates entered into our diet, he was on the point zero zero one of an inch of the field. Right. So if you look at, you know, that's, that's so the last 99.99999 of our history, we've been eating proteins and fats and so in this little small sliver of time we've introduced carbohydrates into our into our um diet right and all these now all these chronic and autoimmune diseases have just came out of nowhere i don't understand it how does this happen how can this be and this is one of those points where you want to slam your foot on the common sense gas pedal and go hey how can smart people be so stupid you know I know we've been harping on the common sense lately, but I feel like it's time to bring common sense back into the picture because we've studied ourselves stupid is what we've done. We have. We've studied ourselves stupid. We've, I've got to have a study for this. I've got to have a study for that. You look back and you see that kind of data where we know that because we ate meat and we had fat in our body, our brain was able to grow and we were able to develop language skills and all these things. And we've only been eating that processed carbohydrates for a fraction of a fraction of time of our existence. And carbohydrates a little bit back, you know, 10,000, 12,000 well, years out of, of out agriculture. Of, you know, out of 2 million, the last 10,000, that's a sliver two, of time. That's a freaking fad diet. Right. Carbohydrates are the fad diet. That's what they are. And I don't know how we don't see that as a group. Well... We do know because we've also done this this in the last week. Uh, Melody was looking up sugar ads from the past. Oh, can I read one to you guys? I want so, to read one to y'all. So these are great. And this is where you have to understand. You're being marketed to every day, and it's because of money. And the Sugar Association um, has done a very good job of making people believe that sugar is part of the diet. And you got one of the ads? Oh, yeah. So this is from the mid-1960s. So um, this was put out by the Sugar Information Incorporated, part of the sugar industry um, conglomerate. So the headline, it has a little girl drinking a soda out of a bottle, and it says, Are you making your children pay for your weight problem? If you're trying to lose weight by stocking the house with sugarless soft drinks, remember one thing. Your children will drink them too. Their thirst craves anything that's cold and wet, but their bodies need much, much more (laughs) energy. And that they'll never get from an artificial sweetener. Now let's get back to you. 
and that diet of yours. Unless you make a career out of drinking soft drinks, saving calories with synthetic pops is a little like trying to reduce your weight by getting a haircut. Besides, you need sugar too, particularly when you're dieting. Sugar in a soft drink does two nice things for you. Hmm. It satisfies those between-meal hunger pangs, and it gives you the va-va-voom you need for all those exercises. And the big tagline is, sugar quenches fatigue. And then it says, in a box, like a warning box, which I thought was, like, and there's a whole group of these ads. They were marketing to mothers. a, A lot of them. So, note to mothers, exhaustion may be dangerous, especially to children who haven't learned to avoid it by pacing themselves. You crazy kids. (laughs) So exhaustion opens the door a little wider to the bugs and ailments that are always lying in wait. Sugar puts energy back fast. It offsets exhaustion. Synthetic sweeteners put back nothing. Energy is the first requirement of life. Play safe with your young ones. Make sure they get sugar every day. So, so this oh is marketing. Oh my freaking god! And, and 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 the thing is, they're still doing this. They're still marketing to you now. Now it's more of calories, pushing on everybody that it's just calories in, calories out. It's your fault that you're not losing weight because you're taking in too many calories and not burning enough calories. And this is total what I would refer as dog shit. Okay, this is stupid and it's fear mongering. Just like in that sugar ad she just read, they were using fear and scare tactics to get people to eat sugar. Yeah, and there's a whole, like like I said, there's a whole group of these ads where they have that box at the bottom that's the note to mothers, like a warning box. And then you got, like I found these sugar, these um, cereal ads from that same time frame and like tricks from General Mills. They were talking about, give your kids tricks because it's habit forming. <laughs> like a drug. Okay, like a drug. <laughs> this is crazy. And we wonder why we have such a problem and we have that embedded in our brain that sugar's fine. It's okay to have a little bit. Somebody said to me on uh, social media this week that a little bit of sugar in moderation is fine. And I was like, but that's the problem. No one can have just a little bit. Well, and, and there is no what is moderation because... Uh, any amount of sugar is not good for you. And we can go into the whole cancer debate about how uh, sugar, what it does. And, and and again, initially, a little bit might not be so bad. But what you can't see is the damage that it does on a cellular level. Sugar damages you on a cellular level and makes bad DNA. So you replicate bad cells. And then it feeds cancer. Yeah. And I mean, and this whole thing we've gotten off on about sugar is the fact that when you go to a, a, a medical doctor, that a lot of times they're going to instruct you about weight loss, that you need to control your calories, you need to reduce your sugar, um, maybe not have as much, but they're not going to really tell you that all the the bad things that can happen with sugar sometimes. Even diabetic protocols for type 2 diabetes still has a lot of carbohydrates in it when you get it from a doctor's office for most regular physicians. Someone shared on Instagram, it was a a diabetic menu at a hospital Mm -hmm. and it had cake on there. I don't understand. But it was just a small slice of cake. A small slice. (laughs) So you can still have cake and Cokes and all, you know, all the sweet stuff, but just not too much of it. Not too much. Oh my God. I know. So... You know, going back to that sugar ad, you can see that that was the advent of artificial sweeteners were coming on the market. Mm-hmm. And you see what happened with soda. 
soda got in on the artificial sweeteners and then now you can have your choice. Do you want sugar? Do you want not want sugar? You can still have soft drinks. <laughs> so marketing, man, it's just... <sighs> You're always being marketed to. I mean... Even when you don't know you're being marketed to, it's always out there because, you know, we live in a capital society and everybody's trying to make money. Um, completely understandable if you're, you know, but when you're straight up lying, which is what the sugar companies were doing for years, um, it's just wrong. And you should be mad about it. You should be angry. And we, I tell everybody, when if they want to ask me about how I feel about sugar, I'll tell you, it's a poison. You should never ingest it. And you should never give it to your kids. No, no. Oh, my God. I have a story for you guys. (laughs) So I went to Target to get a bag of coffee at the little Starbucks counter. And um, so I was buying this bag of coffee. And the lady in front of me had her kid in the cart that was probably like less than, he was less than two. And I look over and she's handing him this chocolate cake pop, you know, Starbucks chocolate cake pop. And it's got the sprinkles on it. So I look at the kid, and he he takes a bite. You know, he's a small child. And then she looks at it, and she goes, oh, isn't that good? That's what you get when your sisters go back to school. And it was like a, you know, like, it's a treat. Here, your sisters are gone. He was getting a reward because his sisters left the house. Yeah. How does that make you feel? Right. (laughs) And... So, also, this is 9 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> right. Remember. Starting, so, off, starting them off right. Starting off the day good. Like, you know, you might as well have that bowl of addictive tricks. But he probably did before that. And so, he's eating the K-pop. He has a second bite. And he's still just taking a, a little bite. And she's like, oh, Mommy wishes she could have one. <laughs> so, I'm thinking, oh, Mommy must be on a diet. Mm-hmm. You know, she's yeah. restricting. And then I look over and I heard the mom go, did you shove that whole thing in your mouth? <laughs> and of course he did, because that is the way sugar operates. What, what little addicts do? They eat it all. They eat it all. I mean, he shoved that whole cake pop in his mouth and he was taking two fingers trying to hold it in to keep it from <laughs> oozing out. And I used to make cake pops. And if you've never made a cake pop, it's two cupcakes smashed up with frosting packed down as hard as you can get it so it'll stay on the stick so essentially if you eat a cake pop you're eating two cupcakes with the icing dipped in another icing that's a lot of sugar it's a lot of sugar and people don't think about it because they look at it and they're like oh it's small well it's small because it's cramp it's you have to pack it down Mm -hmm. tight so yeah that kid had two cupcakes for a nine o'clock snack and then he probably was expected to act well the rest of the day right yeah don't freak out while, I, while mommy tries to shop in the store because yeah, I just don't cry I just gave you drugs creating a little that's creating a future diabetic that's all it is yeah I know that was our soapbox it, well the thing <laughs> is 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 it used to be and and doctors talk about this back you know 10 15 years ago you only saw diabetics in, in their 50s and over now, Teenagers are coming up as type two diabetics. Oh yeah, and with, it, also with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Non-alcoholic fatty liver, um, autoimmune diseases crop up before they're even twenty. That's yeah. all diet related, and and again, this goes back to should you really listen to your doctor because their track record sucks. Okay, if you look at the you know what they've been telling everybody for the past 30, 40 years, it's been pretty much the same stuff: uh, low fat, calories in, calories out. Um, you know, all the stuff they've been saying, they haven't changed it. If that advice works, <laughs> then what is going on? Because the epidemic of obesity and autoimmune immune diseases and chronic disease 
is through the roof. So and someone is slipping something into the watering hole. No, you know what it is. <laughs> Patients are lying and not Patients following their advice. Lying. You're all a bunch of liars. All a bunch of liars. A bunch of so, liars. So that goes back to should you really listen to your doctor's nutritional advice? And I'm going to throw dietitians in there too because their advice sucks too. Yeah, it does. I've gotten into some conversations with some of them who, you know, they didn't really like what I had to say. Eat the rainbow. Variety is the cornerstone of a good diet. It's just calories in, calories out. Eat less, work out more. Hey, man, I'm a dietitian. Did you hear me? You did it. I did it. You did a good job. Okay, well, I'm going to jump down off our, my soapbox right now. Do we have anything else to talk about? Oh, we probably do. Mm. But we're going to wrap it up for the day. Okay. Because you know what? You know what's next? Weights. Weights, yep. Weights. Going to go hit the weights. Going to go hit the weights. And you guys should probably um, just eat some protein and fat. And if you want to work out, great. But it's not calories in, calories out. And you don't have to move more to lose weight. You You, need to change your hormonal response to your food. Yep. You guys all know that. It's nutrients and nutrient absorption. Oh, we got in an argument about what metabolism is but that's for another that's for another episode because we can talk forever on that as well so so join us next week when we rant some more (laughs) all right you guys go out there and eat fat and prosper thanks for listening to the tactical kitchen hit subscribe and leave us a review don't forget to send your questions to btkquestions at gmail.com And visit our website, thetacticalkitchen.com.